Well, uh, everything has a starting point, and um, that's what we're talking about. My name is uh, Pastor Bob Kedlisic. I've been a pastor here at Bridgewater for 18 years. What a lot of people don't realize is that this church is 215 years old. And so when this church started in 1808, here's, here's three guys that were born a year after this church started. Edgar Allan Poe, Charles Darwin, and Abraham Lincoln. They weren't even born yet. There's only 17 states in the United States. The, the, the last one to join was uh, Ohio. So if you're talking about the Wild West when this church started, they were talking about Ohio. <laughs> you know, so... You know, and, and so it's, it's just amazing what God has done in the first uh, couple decades of this church. There was, I think, at least nine other churches that Bridgewater helped start. And that's something that we want to kind of get back into and have been trying to do is just starting congregations in other places. And, and so everything has a starting point. And today is the starting point for Bridgewater in Hancock. And so that's like, yeah, we can... That is exciting. And so, you know, there's a community, there's a group of people gathered together there in Hancock right now, and we're just excited about you and also all, all others of you that are online from other places. And so I just wanted to stop right here in the middle of the service and just have us together pray for what God wants to do in Hancock. Let's do that together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you've been in Hancock for a long time, and you have people there, and you have a plan for that community. And Lord, we know that it is a place where your light is at, but we know that it is a place of spiritual darkness. And there is addiction, and there is suicide, and there are lies that people have believed, and there's a lot of hurt, and um, church hurt even from the past. But God, you have a plan. And Lord, as, as we look at this world, things are in motion in this world that it just... I, I, I never would have predicted things moving so quickly in a bad direction, but God, I just thank you that, that you want to move us in the right direction, and I just pray for a revival in Hancock and the surrounding communities, God, that, that through this beginning, that there would be thousands of people that would come to know you as their Savior, and, and Lord, that that would become a lighthouse that just uh, makes, makes a huge difference in that community, God. Just, just use those in Hancock, God. Use us here in Montrose. Use whoever's watching online, wherever they are, God. Help us to be a part of your great work to save this world and to bring people to Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we are talking about um, starting points. And so in this series, there's, um, we're talking about the fundamental, foundational starting points of Christianity. So the first week we talked about not only what do you believe, but maybe even more important than what you believe is why you believe what you believe. And we've talked about sin and, and forgiveness and, and all sorts of other things. And so today we're going to talk about bargains, okay, bargaining. Most people at some point in their lives have made a bargain with God. But, but often it doesn't work out well. So even if God seems to take us up in our bargain and gets us what we want, we're not necessarily real good at following through. So maybe, you know, you're, you're in financial, like, just desperate straits, and you're like, man, I can't pay the bills, and, and I really need that job, or I really need a raise, or whatever, and God, if you'll just come through for me, 
And if you'll just help me through these next couple months and get my feet on solid ground, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give 10% of my, my income to you or whatever. And, and then you get on, you know, and God does work and, you, oh, things worked out and, and you give for a little while and then you're like, you know what? I mean, I was the one who kind of got me out of debt. And, and I, you know, I, I was the one who worked hard for that. And I've been busting my, you know, shoes, whatever I can say as a pastor. I've been busting my shoes to get this stuff done. And, and I just, you know, and, 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 you know, it just kind of fades away. And months later, you're no longer keeping your end of the bargain. And years later, you forgot you even made it. Or maybe someone's sick. Maybe you're sick. You're like, God, if you'll just heal this person, if you'll just heal me, God, I will give you my life or, or your marriage is in trouble. God, if you would just fix my marriage, then, then, I'll, I, I, then I'm, you, know, you got me. And I, I, I meet people all the time who they start coming to church because they made a bargain with God and then it just fades away. Here's two things about the bargaining thing, though, that two assumptions that most people make. The first assumption is that you, know, you can only bargain with a God that actually knows you exist and cares about you. And, and if you believe in the God of the Bible, then that is absolutely true. But if you don't believe in the God of the Bible, what are the chances that a God that could make, that has made hundreds of trillions of stars and who knows how many planets, what are the chances that that God actually cares about you and your bargain? And so, so but, but if, you're, if, if you believe this is true and you believe that the Bible describes who God is, that actually is a good assumption. He does. He does care about you. But there's another assumption we have with bargains that is even more important. In fact, if you believe this about God, you don't even have to believe that he's a good God or that he loves you. And that's, this is the idea that, that I have something God needs. I have something that God wants. That's how bargains work. That's how we deal with everybody else, right? You know, you give me this and I'll give you that. But what happens if God doesn't need anything you have or God doesn't want anything you have? And that's, that's kind of this first idea we're going to talk about. God doesn't want something from you. You have nothing he needs. That's kind of bad news, <laughs> Because then I have no leverage, right? I mean, usually bargaining, I got, I got some leverage. And, you know, God, God wants me to love him or he wants me to serve him. Maybe he wants my money or what. And he doesn't need your money. He created all the gold in the world. But here's the wonderful thing. It's the other half. He doesn't want something from you. He, he wants something for you. And that first point, is there a God who loves and cares about me? Yes. Does he need something from me? No. So it doesn't mean you can bargain with God, but it means there's something even greater and better going on. And uh, Paul talks about God in, um, in, in Acts. He's actually in Athens, Greece, the intellectual capital of the world at that point. These are people who are meet together every, you know, every weekday or every day. They get together at this big, huge, you know, building called the Areopagus, and it's still standing in Greece today, although it's a little worse for the wear. It's missing a ceiling and things like that now. But, but that's where he went, and he met with all of these, these super smart intellectual philosophers and teachers, the, 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 the most brilliant minds of the day. They just get together and just talk about ideas. And, and as he goes to meet with these people, he looks around and he sees there's an idol, and, and underneath the idol is a placard, and it says, To the unknown God. 
And Paul says, well, I'm glad that they admit that they don't know everything. I'll explain who this unknown God is to them. They don't know who the real God is. And so he's describing the real God. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. This is the God I believe in. This is the God of the Bible. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. He's telling these brilliant people, like, think about it. The God who could create the sun and the moon and this entire planet? Like, you think he's going to live in your little dinky temple? Like, oh, but there's gold in our temple. Are you kidding me? He created all the gold in the world. Like, no, he doesn't do that. And then it gets worse. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. You think he needs your sacrifices? You think he needs your acts of penance and worship and all of that? That doesn't do anything for him. He can do whatever he wants. If God can just speak hundreds of trillions of stars into existence, I don't think he needs your help like, I don't know, taking out the trash or something. I mean, he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. How do you bargain with a God like that? You can't. In fact, this is why some people don't believe in God, because they make a bargain, and they present that bargain to God, and God doesn't accept their terms. And if God doesn't obey me, and if God's not going to accept my terms and do what I tell him he needs to do, then clearly he doesn't love me or he doesn't exist. And they walk away from God. A lot of people have told me that's why they don't believe in God, because he wouldn't take their bargain. And Paul in Ephesians, this is just across, across a little bit of water from Greece. He was at a church in what is now Western Turkey, and this is a letter he's writing to them explaining what's better than a bargain that God gives to us. And he says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. We talked about this last week about how, how good are dead people at solving problems. They're, they're not. He's like, you are spiritually dead in your sins. You have a problem and you can't fix it. And you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. I probably don't talk about this enough because it's not very politically correct or popular, but the status of, of everyone, in fact, he goes on to the very next verse, he said, all of us used to live that way. What way? All of us used to obey the devil, servants of Satan, on that side. A lot of times we just think, you know, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but you know, I'm not that bad. You know, I'm not like Ben, you know. I mean, you know, and, you know, I'm not Stalin or Hitler or Mao or any of those really bad guys. I'm not like serving Satan. I'm just kind of neutral, you know, or I'm, I lean toward God's side. Like I'm not totally on his side, but I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of him. But, but the Bible is clear. At one point in all of our lives, and that's where this next verse comes from, all of us used to live this way. Isn't, this isn't about those people over there. It's like, this is about all of us. We were enemies of God. And he goes on, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. That's people to a T. What do we do? We do what we want to do. We do what we feel like we should do. Some people do what they want to do short term. 
and their lives are really a mess. Some people do what they want to do, and they follow their desires long-term. They have some self-discipline and long-term, and, and they look much more put together, but ultimately still serving ourselves on Satan's team. And by our very nature, we were subjects to God's rang- anger, just like everyone else. God's anger, God's wrath, that's where we are. This is what I don't talk about a lot. That's not very popular. God is angry with all of us for our sin, and we deserve eternity in hell. And the next verse is so important. I'm glad he didn't just end there. The end. Good luck. <laughs> You're in trouble. It says, but God. Now, every other religious system in the world, most religious systems are about bargains. You know, God will do this for you if you do this for God. And how good is good enough? I'm really not sure, but, but maybe, maybe I just need to outrun the bear, right? Maybe I just need to be better than the guy next to me. Um, or, or, or maybe there's some standard I need to reach, but, but it's this ultimate bargain. And every religion in the world, other than Christianity, that I'm aware of, that the next word here would be, but I. I'm an object of God's wrath, but I worked hard to make up for all those wrong things I did. But I started going to church. But I started being generous. And, but I gave away all that I had. I took a vow of poverty. I just, I, I, I. And that's how I get out of this problem of God's wrath. But that's not what it says. That's not the truth. The truth is, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. So, so it's not about the bargain. It's not about you have something that God wants. It's about God's mercy, about his love, so much love. We're going to talk about mercy in a little bit, but mercy is love that is shown by not giving you what you deserve. And so I um, <clears throat> was in a game yesterday, junior high soccer game, worst foul I've seen all season. This kid on the other team, he was their best player. He literally grabbed one of our players by the neck. You know, now, it's junior high. It actually looked like an accident. I think he meant to grab him by the shoulder, which is also illegal in soccer. But it slipped off and it went around his neck. And the kid, like, you know, Lucas was the kid who got his neck strangled, you know, like whacked it down, pushed him away. Like, what, what are you doing? Which I think is the appropriate response when someone grabs you by the neck. But then I was proud of him. Lucas didn't give the guy what he deserved. What he deserved would have been grab you around the neck, right? Right? That would have been fair. Been fair. But he didn't do that. That's mercy. That's someone showing mercy on someone else. Now, there was a ref there as well, and that was nice. Um, he didn't see it, but um, he would have broken up a fight if that broke out. But then I subbed Lucas out, and he's totally cool and collected, which is great. Hopefully, he'll be like that when he's a senior, too. But sometimes. It doesn't happen. But God, that's mercy. And he's rich in mercy. We deserve hell. And he's like, he's rich in mercy. He doesn't have just a little bit of it. Like, you know, if you only have a little bit of something, you're like, you know, I, I, like if I came here today with like, I don't know, three bags of M&Ms, I'd be like, eh, I'm not sure I'm going to mention I have M&Ms. Because <laughs> I, I only have a little bit. I'm not rich in M&Ms. But God is rich in mercy. He has so much of it. It's in abundance. 
He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And here's this word we're going to focus on for the rest of, of what I'm talking about. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Grace. Grace is not withholding punishment. Grace goes beyond that and giving someone what they don't deserve. It would be like Lucas after the game going up to that guy and saying, you know what? Uh, I don't know what he could give him. Chocolate bars? I don't know. What There's a bottle of Gatorade for you. I don't, you know, it'd be like him giving him something. Not, not just withholding the punishment that he deserved, but, but being generous toward him. For he raised us, God raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be like, you know, I'm not going to be in heaven and I'm going to, you know, go to somebody and say, you know, I, I was a pastor over 25 years. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, that's not, nobody's going to do that. Mother Teresa's not going to be up there like, you know, I was kind of a big deal, you know. Do you know how many orphans I rescued? Like, it was a lot. It's more than I even realized, but now I'm in heaven and I know. No, nobody's going to, nobody's going to be like that. We're all going to be like, do you know what a screw up I was? Are you kidding me? Do you, know, do you know where I was when God, and then I relapsed, and then, and then God loved me again, and then I sinned in this other way, you know, and I exchanged this one sin for this other sin, and then God forgave me for that, and then I, and, then, and, and God is so gracious to me, I can't believe he'd use me to do anything. All the glory will go back to God. That's what we're going to do for all of eternity, and, and figure out all the connections, and did you know that happened? I had no idea that was going on. Did you know God would use you that way? I'd know. I, I didn't think I, he was using me at all. Like, like, and, and, and that's what his grace leads to, to the glory of God. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. It is God who starts things. It is, you know, who is the hero of your life? Most of us, we think I'm the main character. I'm the hero of my story. Who else would be the hero? It's my story. It's not my story. It's God's story. He's the hero. I'm the sidekick. And, and just like you know, like Batman and Robin. What did Robin do? You know, like they'd have these puzzles and he'd be like, holy puzzle, Batman. I don't have any idea what this is about, right? And I guess he threw a, f a few punches. That's what Robin did. He just followed on the coattails of Batman, you know, whose you know, secret or his superpower was being rich. Um, but anyway, it's, it's, and, and, that's, and that's true about our lives. It's about God's grace. It's about his generosity toward us. It goes on to say, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. So it's not about your, and, and we, we are constantly wanting to make this a partnership. You know, and, and so you say, yeah, oh yeah, it's not about what I do. It's definitely not 50-50. It's more like 90-10. no. No, that's not what it's saying. Dead people aren't doing 10% either. You know, it's, it's 100% God. And, and so with God, grace is the rule, not the exception. 
And just to help us understand, I've used this illustration before, but I don't think I've shown pictures. So picture illustration, mercy. So imagine tomorrow you're driving wherever you're driving to, maybe to work, maybe to the grocery store, maybe to school, whatever. You're driving and you're driving your little, I don't know what that is, a Honda. And you're texting while you're driving, not paying any attention. And you look up last minute, there's a Chevy truck blinker on, wanting to turn left, stopped in front of you in the road, and you smash into the back of that thing. You can't tell necessarily from where you're sitting, but if you blow this up, he actually did uh, dent slightly the tailgate and the bumper just a little bit, scratched it up a little bit. And the, the driver gets out, and he's like, what are you doing? And you, you're, you got your phone in your hand still. Uh, and he's like, were you texting? He's like, and you're like, maybe. He's like, okay, I'm calling the police. We're going to have an accident report. Your insurance, I want your insurance. And, and you're like, well, I, I've been in two accidents already in the last six months. My insurance is going. I, I might even lose my license. I, I'm going to be late for work. If I'm late for work, I lose my job. Like, like I know I, I hit your car. It's my fault. Call the police. So there's repentance there. And what, what, what if the guy of the truck says, you know what, it's all right. You don't have to pay to fix my truck. You don't have to call your insurance. I'll fix it on my own. He says, I'm not going to punish you. You don't have to pay. That would be mercy. But, but what if after he says that and he says, you know what, I don't want you to miss your job either and get fired. Here's my truck. Why don't you take it to work? And I'll stay here with your car, and I'll, I'll call, I'll get a tow truck, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of your car. That's grace. That's what God's done. See, mercy, we understand. And we think, that's a big deal. Mercy's a big deal. Like, wow. How, how, you know, how wonderful it would be to have someone show you mercy. But grace? Grace is crazy. Yeah? <laughs> Amen. Great. And, and that's what God has done for us. And he goes on to say, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God's plan is, okay, I'm going to take someone who's dead and someone who's, who's just a mess and they're full of sin and they're on the other team and they're serving Satan and they deserve hell. And it's, it's just a despicable individual. You know, sometimes we think of God as a great Santa in heaven. Ho, 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 ho. Be a good boy or girl. Don't get on the naughty list. No, God is, God is a consuming fire. Every minute of every day, it's like a thousand nuclear bombs are going off in the sun. That's God. That's the work the Bible says of his fingers. And we need to be terrified of standing before a righteous God who will judge us for everything we've done. But God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much. And, and he's going to say, I'm going to use these flawed, awful people, and I'm going to make a masterpiece out of them. I, I have a picture here of a, a Moroccan Berber rug. 
and it sells for hundreds of dollars. It may sell for $1,000 or more. It's, it's vintage. Wouldn't you want this hanging up in your living room? Isn't that beautiful? It's not beautiful. Looks like some kid took yarn and glued it to a mat. You know, that's, that's like random and that's gross. And this is what our lives look like most of the time, isn't it? We look at our lives and we're like, what is, God has a plan? Yeah, right. Like my three-year-old could come up with a better plan than that. But this is the front of the rug. And it all comes together. And I think this side of heaven this is what our lives look at. Like the other side of heaven, we're like, oh, that's what you were doing. You know, nobody's going to be like, yeah, isn't that a beautiful little reindeer? What? I don't, even, I don't see a reindeer. It's just a mess. I'm going the wrong way. There we go. 100% of the to-dos in the Christian faith are responses to what God has done for us. So that's the bottom line. And, and some of you might think, well, this is like tomato, tomato, like doing what's right out of love and gratitude to God. What's the difference between doing that or doing what's right so that God will love you? Like either way, I'm trying to do what's right. No, it, it is important. The order is important. The motivation is important. Right? We all know that motivation is important. If, if I, as a husband, buy flowers for Becky because I did something wrong and I don't want her to hate me, okay, I want to fix it, that is a totally different motivation. We'll get a totally different response than if I buy flowers for Becky just because I love her. Right? Motivation is important. Or if I'm trying to manipulate her into doing something I want, and that's why I buy flowers for her. Okay, that, that motive, that's important. Am I manipulating or am I being gratitude? And, and that's the same with God. Are we trying to manipulate God to get him to give us what we want? Or is it out of gratitude because he's already done it? And humility, we've accepted it. This is important. We don't want to get the cart before the horse, right? <laughs> this just doesn't work. The horse knows it doesn't work. It's like he's giving you a side look like, what? What is this? Like, this isn't going to go anywhere. And this is the same with our works. Our works don't earn us heaven and God's favor. And we're, it's not a bargain. It's not works first. It's Jesus first. It's grace first. It's faith first. It's mercy first. It's God's love first. And then we accept that. And say, man, I'm so grateful for all that you've done for me. Now I'll follow you. You thank someone for what he's done, but you bargain someone for what you want him to do. Let's not leave here wanting to manipulate God into doing what I want him to do for me. Let's leave here being thankful for all that God has done and just living our life as a P.S. to the letter and a note of gratitude. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that the starting point of our relationship with you is your love and your grace toward us. I just ask that you would just help us to just keep things in the right order. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has never given their lives to you, who has never in humility just accepted your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, 
I ask that today would be the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close with a song. And if you're online, you can go into the chat. If you're in Hancock, you can walk to the back and talk to someone. But if you're here in the room today, I want to encourage you to just come forward. If you need to pray with someone, if you need to talk to someone about this relationship with God that you have, maybe, maybe even if there's just something going on in your life um, that you want to just talk to God about, please come forward, talk to anybody who's at the front here. We want to pray with you and, um, and uh, be a part of that. Let's all stand together as we sing.